I'm Commander Shepard, and Normandy FM is my favorite show on the Citadel. Normandy FM. 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 Hello and welcome to another wonderful, spectacular, final guest episode of Mass Effect Andromeda here on Normandy FM. Ken, I am not yep. Kenneth Shepard. I am You're Eric not. Van Allen. Yeah, this week I am name. Eric Van Allen once again. I've, I've returned to who I am. And you are Kenneth Shepard. Uh, that's me. And joining us today, we have two wonderful guests. One for the first time and one... Returning once again because how could we not have Ginny? I always want to say Ginny woes because it's right there. <laughs> <laughs> All of you with your Discord names keep trying to fuck me up every time. <laughs> Ginny Woo is on. Yeah, returning once back again. Again, and, and joining us for the first time, Caitlin. I I was going to say Galiz again. It's. <laughs> it's this, Caitlin Gallas Rowe. Thank you. I genuinely don't think I've been on a guest on a podcast where anybody has like said it right, so it's it's fine. It's chill. It's I, damn I it, Eric. Thing... You ruined our chance to be the first ones. Well, I, <laughs> look, we were never going to be the first anything. It is what it is. But uh, I have this thing where, like, once I get someone's name wrong in my head, it's just it's stuck there forever. Like. Uh, a former a former boss of mine, uh, Stephen Tatillo, for years. I, I worked at, at under uh, under him for like two years, and I kept calling him Stephen Tatillo, like like Tomatia <laughs> sauce. <laughs> and like I think it was the day that uh, I left, I told him that, and I was just like, I just want to let you know, I've been accidentally calling you Tatillo for for years now, <laughs> and I still for will never get it right. Years. And I'll still, I'll still get it wrong, and I'll just be like, I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> I have learned your name wrong, and I will never remember it correctly. But Caitlin Gallas Rowe... Yeah, yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. And it, look, you know, yeah, is what it is. But uh, Caitlin Gallas Rowe, I will hopefully repeat your name enough that I will not get it wrong again, even though my head is screaming at me to say it the wrong way again. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. You're fine. It's, it's truly okay. I am so excited because not only is this our last uh, companion episode, our last loyalty mission episode, this is also our last guest episode. This is the last time we will have people who are not named Eric and Kenneth on this show. Unless, of course, we have people in the future that come on. They're also named Eric and Kenneth, but who knows? Uh, Obviously, (laughs) we are doing... (laughs) <laughs> we are obviously doing Dragon Age in the future, but for Mass Effect Andromeda, this is our last guest episode. And to start things off, I just want to know, we'll start with Ginny, why huh? Jal? <laughs> why is Jal the one? Why Why must you talk about Jal? Um, Jal is the one because, honestly, and this is going to 
probably get me a bunch of reply guys. Um, I didn't really feel like the other companions were that memorable or in sync with the way that I was playing Ryder. So mm-hmm. that's that's why it's real simple. I can't say it's because I was incredibly horny for Jal, but <laughs> you know, like the other metrics were all fine. They all lined up. So here I am. It wasn't like an extreme level of horny. It was like the normal Mass Effect level of horny for Jaw that was going on here. Yeah, it was like just like the regular someone from a different planet level of horny, and not like okay. the someone from a planet. And I really have a, I'm compelled for them to crush my throat, kind of horny, just like mm. regular manageable horny levels. <laughs> he he does not give off those kind of vibes uh, yeah, early he, on. He I really was, doesn't. No, a little disappointed to be honest but (laughs) hey we're gonna get there don't worry (laughs) caitlin what about you why why jaw for you i'm gonna be really honest i didn't give a fuck about jaw um (laughs) but (laughs) i really don't off to a great start i love this um (laughs) we need the discourse (laughs) i I, yeah, I don't give a shit about Jaw, but I think the, um, I always fuck up the name of his, uh, species, but I feel like the, like, Angarans, is that it? That was perfect. Mm-hmm. That was dead on. Look at me. Um, I feel like their stuff is interesting, especially because of just, like, how kind of fucked the politics of this game are, and, like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the fact that they're, like, the only indigenous life forms in this huge galaxy is weird. Um... So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I find the people more interesting than the dude, but, mm. you know, it's how it be. I mean, going into this mission, that was kind of how I felt about all of this was I was gearing up. I was so excited. I was like, all right, it's Monday afternoon. I literally have two hours until we have to record this podcast. I should play this <laughs> mission right now. Uh, <laughs> I've I've been on a review crunch, so that's why. Uh, and... I, I got into it and I started playing and I was like, wait a minute, we're we're going to Aya and Havarl. We're talking to Angaran people. I forgot that Angaran existed in this universe <laughs> because for the last five or so episodes we've had, Ken, I feel like the Angara have been a complete afterthought. Like mm-hmm. they don't really play a role in any of the stuff that we've done up to this point, as far as like companion quests go. Even some of the story missions, I think the last time we spent any amount of time doing Angaran stuff was when we saved the Moshai. That was really about it. Right. And I mean, that's kind of a good thing, because when it does get into the ways that the Angara characters and literally anybody else kind of interact, that is where you get stepping on all the messy and gross parts of this game that it tries its best to sort of, like, shift your eyes away from for as much as possible. And then when you are looking at it, they do everything in their absolute power to make you come out the good guy. And that is going to be sort of like the major theme, I think, of this episode and the mission that we're going to be going on is that they really, really, really are trying to get away from, like, the truth of what this game focuses on by, like, again, like, making you the good guy the whole time. It's it's kind of messed up because, I, again, I was thinking about it. Uh, for those of you who follow the, the the stuff I do in the real world outside of Normandy FM, this is not the real world. This is a fake world. But um, the I hosted a panel at PAX West where uh, I interviewed Kara Ellison, who is writing on Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. And one of the things we talked about was the idea that a lot of games, and I think this is especially true in Bioware's case 
uh, especially like more recent Bioware, is that hey, I think that was my speakers that were on. <laughs> um, yes. Remember how I was like, I'm worried that a DM will make a noise. Uh, so one of the things that I think about a lot with that now and that she brought up was that a lot of games are built to kind of make you feel like a hero and to make you mm. feel like you're doing everything right. And you might have to make a tough choice, but that tough choice gets justified in some way. It's it, you know, you make a tough choice, but it all turns out. Okay. I was kind of feeling that, especially when we were playing mass effect three, where there are some like really bad choices you can make, but for the large part, numbers wise you will come out to about the same thing as long as you're kind of making these general tough but you know firm decisions as you move along mm-hmm. and in in Jaws mission you know the whole setup is that we're kind of working as a third party with Jaws to try and settle the differences between the initiative and the Angara and the Resistance and the Rokar. And the Rokar are kind of like the violent, uh, militant separatist group that is extremely anti-alien, does not want Ket or any of the Milky Way people invading. At one point later in this mission, a character over an audio log calls uh, the Andromeda Initiative the Milky Way Menace, which is... (laughs) I'm picturing I'm picturing like a writer sitting there and being like, yes. <laughs> Good. That's the, that's the name I want to go with. Yeah, real Milky scary. Way Menace. <laughs> I kept picturing it sounds like the name of a kid that steals candy on Halloween. Like he's running around <laughs> to all the bowls and just like clearing cleaning oh, them out no. and showing them there. And it's like he goes and no. he takes all the Milky Ways. Jesus. <laughs> takes him because he's got a peanut allergy you can't take the snickers um <laughs> that's like the worst outer space origin story it's like a lot of ever. deep lore for this character you just came up with yeah i just I, i've had a whole day so you know my mind's just kind of free to wander right now in the middle nice. of a podcast uh so the setup is that axel who is like this old friend of Jal, it has become distrustful of you know, all these years of the Ket forcing the Angarn into labor camps and committing all these atrocities on them. And obviously, when more people show up who want to settle uh, the Helios cluster, he's not happy. So early on, you know, we're trying to set we're trying to set up some meetings, we're trying to talk to him, we're trying to get through to him, and eventually we realize that the Moshe is probably the only way we're gonna be able to do that. And Ken, I think our experiences, our personal playthrough experiences are going to diverge a lot here because you let the Moshi die, right? That is not a thing you can do in this video game. <laughs> no, wait, no. What am I thinking of? I don't know. No. Yeah, I was going to say. No, I, I thought like, that. I, yeah, I, thought I was that like, the Moshi... I, read the, I read the notes and that was not in there. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, the one I'm thinking of is you either save the Angara or you leave them, right? That's blowing up the cat base. Okay, for some reason I thought that if you chose the option to blow up the cat base that the Moshi died there as well. Because I was pl- I didn't take that option. I saved the Angara. But mm-hmm. I, I played this whole mission just now thinking that the other option would be like, oh, I wonder what this is like without the Moshi there. And now I realize that that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I nice. can't keep up with all the branching paths in this game. This is great. Our, our listeners it's love fine. this. That's why, they, that's why they that, donate. Yeah, that's, that's why what I'm Ken here. is here for. 
I'm just here for my charming personality. So <laughs> we uh, we get moving along, and I, we eventually set up this kind of meeting between uh, the Moshai, Axul, and ourselves. Uh, and I felt like, you know, there was some lead up to this um, that, that was kind of interesting, but this is the part where it, like, really started for me because we immediately get the sense that, like, it's the first time that I feel like we're being seen for what the Andromeda Initiative really looks like to outsiders, to mm-hmm. to the Angaran, as like, oh, hey, this is a bunch of people that have been enslaved and have had terrible things committed to them, and they've just learned about more terrible things that are being done to them by the Ket, and now I'm swooping in here like Ryder, all being like, hey, want to hang out and be pals? We're not going to take advantage of you. <laughs> like, um, And... For a while here, I was really getting into the way that it was kind of going, hey, maybe we're not good people. Maybe we need to think about how we look and, like, our optics and stuff like that. And then immediately, <laughs> Jal is just like, no, it's okay. These they're, they're good. Just trust me. They're good. It's, it's all okay. And that maybe leads me to my first point, which is that throughout this whole mission it does not set Jaw up as a very like strong character. I feel like so many other characters in this game have a loyalty mission that develops them as an individual that sees them have some sort of growth as a character. And I don't feel like I got that from this loyalty mission. I felt like Jaw was almost kind of used as a reason for the Angarn to suddenly trust Ryder because Jaw says it's okay. And like, I have an well, Angarn friend is kind of a messed up way to like frame uh, this whole thing. <laughs> I mean, I would say like to be fair, like Jaws not this isn't like Jaws has just shown up in the game. Like he has been with us to like you know go save the Moshai and do all the things that were on like uh, Vold and I can't remember half the names, names of these planets, but like the other missions in the guard. So like we have Wow, Ken, you can't remember details of this game? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I got one of like forty something episodes, so bite me um so like again like this isn't like jaws just meeting us and is like very immediately trusting of us like when we first met him there he did have this hesitance but he was also kind of like eager to believe that there could be good in these people that have shown up so i don't really know that i agree that like jaw like you don't get a sense of jaw growing in this i feel like you just kind of you get kind of this affirming of the kind of person that he is who is this very wants to believe in the good of people and wants to help resolve conflict between two parties of people that he really cares for. I guess that's... I I was going to say, I guess that's fair, but I was going to toss to Jenny next and get kind of her sense of things, and she got ahead of me there, so you you take it away, Jenny. (laughs) Me jumping in, um, back at it again. (laughs) No. um, No, so I I, I would say that I definitely feel... I, I would say... The way the thing that Caitlin described earlier with how she she was more interested in the Angara as a faction um, than Jar the character personally, I think for me the way that the game depicts the bridge between the Angarans being essentially held up by one person, um, Jar, that goes some way I think to making him feel less like someone who's instrumental to the whole diplomatic relations part and more like, I guess, an alternative mouthpiece for the Angaran race. Because I feel like if you really, really think about it, Jal is the guy that 
A, sets up the meetings. But like Ken said, he's been with you a long time now. You have already done a fair amount of stuff that's involved the Angaran race. And, and yes, he is there to facilitate the meetings with the Moshai and to also get you there to talk to Axel. But I feel like at that point, feasibly, we're thinking you probably have enough independent diplomatic, diplomatic clout to set something up like this yourself. You don't really need Jal to, to affirm that your, you know, your race relations playtime session is fine. Like the thing that you're trying to <laughs> thing that you're trying to do here with with Axel really and the Moshe is something that you're aware from the get go is going to be contentious, right? Like you already mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. that there's going to be a huge problem with the Rokai and the resistance. You are already you know this coming into what Jal has set up for you, and I feel like him being there to say at every turn, "Oh, it's fine. You can trust them. This would be okay." Oh, I'm kind of iffy on what you're doing, but I think it'll pan out. That doesn't actually do anything materially, I think, from a diplomatic perspective and from my writer's perspective. I was like, okay, cool, Jal. So you're just going to back my centrist position no matter what. All right, got it. Cool, Mm. we're on the level. You know, like, I feel like he could have had, not to say that wanting to smooth things over and wanting everyone to get along is not a personality trait. That is a personality trait, and I understand characters being written that way. But I think that it's not the most dynamic way they could have portrayed him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Caitlin, how did you feel about the way Jal kind of relates as as sort of the ambassador of the Angara? I originally, when I played it, I was like, again, I didn't give a shit about Jal. I was like, he's boring and dumb, and I don't like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I played Greedfall this year, and it reminds me a lot. I'm realizing of that. Where, like, Mm -hmm. you have the indigenous companion who's there to, like, basically give you validity as you fuck with everybody's lives and politics (laughs) and then, like, not really be that interesting or developed on their own. Um, Because, like, yeah, Jal is literally just, like, a centrist sock puppet, IMO. Mm. So. I, I think a lot about, like, how in Mass Effect 1 they did a very similar thing of... Okay, here is your Turian crewmate. Here is your Quarian crewmate. Here is your Asari crewmate. But those characters over time never really became the same mouthpieces that Jal is because they developed in their own ways. They found their own kind of facets within the power structures of their individual species. And none of them ever really, with maybe the exception of like Rex, became Mm. the de facto voice of their faction. And even then, you could do things that Rex would disagree with. Even in this game, you can do things that your crew will disagree with. Like, I famously, earlier in in the series, uh, I did a thing that pissed Drac off really bad, and he was super (laughs) pissed at me, and he was, like, mad for a while, and eventually the game was like, cool, we don't care, but then, as we now know, I'm, like, locked out of one scene later on in the game permanently because he just doesn't trust me anymore. And Mm. I see that level of characterization going on here. And then we have kind of a similar situation with Jal where we are being put in a, in a place where he's having to shoot his own people. And not only does he seem like apathetic about it, but he's basically like, like what Ginny said, it's like, Hey, you know, you got it, Ryder. You can always do the right thing. So I'll just blindly follow you. And, 
And I also don't know what I've done up to this point that has elicited that level of trust from Jaw when this is supposed to be the loyalty mission, when this is supposed to be the time when we are earning each other's trust. It already feels like Jaw is just completely loyal to me and every one of my dumb whims. Well, so. yeah. Let's... I think for me, the main problem was when you actually get to see the Rokar in open conflict and how we deal with it later on in the loyalty mission. And Giles is already, like, ritching them off, basically. He's like, oh, yeah, like, everyone hates the Rokar. Like, it's horrific and terrible. Like, there's no... You don't have the nuance that you'd expect. And then knowing what we know of his family's involvement in similar issues down the line, it is very strange to me that Giles is like, yeah, fuck the Rokar. Everyone fucking <laughs> yeah. hates them. Blast their heads off. And I'm like, okay. He's like, they can't be negotiated with. And I'm like, mm, all right, okay, okay. Yeah, and it's also, like, I feel like to your point about the other care, like, having the, you know, like, here's your Asari, here's your Cory and whatever. Like, I feel like in the other games, you got to interact with enough other, like, NPCs that were developed from those races mm, that you could yeah. see that, like, one person was not the, like, spokesperson for it. Because, you know, you had, like, Liara, and then you had Samara, and Morinth, and, um fucking the lady from omega aria and like you kind of have from omega come on i got there leave me alone you know who you're on this podcast with leave me alone um i got there um but like with jaw like we don't like you don't really get another angaran who's like really really relevant to you aside from the moshai and the moshai is like basically like old lady jaw so, like, mm-hmm. there's not really, like, because everyone else is, like, even, like, Oswald is depicted as being, like, a giant fucking asshole the whole time, even though the main reason that he's like, hey, fuck aliens is because he got put into, like, a torture prison camp for a year. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's, and, and too, like, what Jenny was saying with his, like, with Jal's family, too, like, there's no, like, nuance there other than, like, the one brother being, like, actually, like, here's what Oswald is up to, and it's, like... There's just oh, not a lot of depth to it. Well, I get to that. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, we've got to really get into it. So be- um. before we move on a little bit, I just want to say I feel like a lot of that depth and sort of like the conflicting viewpoints that they want to portray with all these different characters, I feel like it all comes to a head very late in the very final yeah. moments of mission. Exactly. But again, like yeah. getting to, getting to that point, it can feel very you know, like not as substantial as you might want. Mm-hmm. I mean, so speaking of not substantial, I mean, the first major mission that we have in this loyalty quest is that we get a message from Bradley saying that Prodromos is, is, there's some bad stuff going on. He doesn't want to raise, like, the huge alarm because he doesn't want to tip off that he knows that something's going down, but he knows that something's going down. And so we go there and we basically figure out that uh, there is a real car signal. Uh, we got to track it down. We, we get the idea that Axel's up to something. So, uh, we we get there and we just kill a shit ton of Rokar. <laughs> um, also, Eos is way bigger this time around. Uh, I guess that's like a gameplay thing that once you go back to Eos, uh, you it's just way bigger now. But like that mm. thing is is a lot lot larger, and I was not expecting that. I was like, oh. I forgot that there's, like, an entire second map to this, and that was, like, super strange, because it felt yeah, like I was playing Death Stranding like, again. Like, at the beginning, <laughs> oh, no. they're, like... Oh, jeez. At the beginning, they're, like, you know, there's too much, like, contamination and, like, 
poor atmosphere out in the distance, and then so then you're supposed to leave, but then you come back and everything's sort of cleared out, and oh, the, again, it gets, okay. like, twice as big. Can we okay. talk about the geoscaping for a second? Because I feel like that's a big part of what irks me about the relationship with the Angara, is Jaw, like, is like, look, Ryder's so good, they've been, like, fixing the environment and there's like a really big like gross like white savior complex around that that like mm-hmm. jaw seems super okay with he's just like yeah these foreigners came and like none of us who are you know a whole as developed society could figure out how to do this but this bitch just strolls in and fucking does it in two seconds by playing sudoku and like we're all just we're all fine with that that's good and cool they didn't know the rules of Sudoku, okay? That was the whole reason why they couldn't turn the terraformers I on. I mean, bitch, me not. neither. Ryder does not doing well without guides. Like... Uh, uh, yeah, so we get there and we kill a bunch of Rokar because that's how this mission is going to kind of go for most of it. And uh, we, we find a beacon that's basically... This is another, like, this is a minor aside. This is more comical than any actual, like, real critique of this. But they're like, oh, yeah, they're going to plant this in the middle of the base, and then it was going to tell the dropships where to land. Okay, one, they couldn't (laughs) find the big-ass base with the giant wheel sitting outside of it. Like, it was really that hard. Uh, Two, (laughs) this subtle beacon is, like, the size of a Buick. So, like, where the (laughs) fuck are they hiding this thing? (laughs) Like... Like, Bradley's just going to be walking around one day, like, time to do the morning checklist. What the fuck is this over here? (laughs) (laughs) Just got more random boxes of technology in here, you know? New day on EOS. Um, So we we then decided that we're going to trick Axul into sending Rokar into former bases of the Andromeda Initiative so we can kill more Rokar. Yep, that's that, the plan. That's the that that is that is literally the whole last plan. You get there um, after you hear from Bradley, and then literally, Giles like, I know exactly what's going on. This is definitely the xenophobic members of my race doing dumb <laughs> stuff, and we should kill them. And you're like, Yep, yeah, yeah. You know what'll real really grind his gears? Good. Let's prank him. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna get so annoyed. <laughs> When he shows up and we've stolen his pimped out ride, and we kill all of his subordinates, right? Wild fucking times, guys. Wild Charles, times. like, selfie camming this shit, like, uploads yeah. it to YouTube. Fucking, <laughs> like, like, welcome to Jackass. Like, Joel is literally, like, the ancient Angaran technique of the old switcheroo, like. Yeah. <laughs> and Axel's up there, like, oh, I just yeah, lost Jesus. all my men. Um,. <sighs> amazing amazing yeah no this is like i mean ken correct me if i'm wrong because i've not played this part of the game yet we will be playing this part of the game later this week you can wait till the end of the podcast to find out when and where uh but uh i have not played the multiplayer of andromeda yet but this mm-hmm. felt like them basically going like well we should probably put something in the game that is like a multiplayer mission so that way people know what the multiplayer missions are like because mm-hmm. it was kind of just hit the button waves coming at you you fight them all off then you go to the second site and you do the exact same thing and mm-hmm. also they somehow got a mech at some point oh mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> i think this is the first time i saw any angara pilot a mech which really threw me for a minute because i was like can't where do, do they... sudoku can't yeah, figure I was out like, Sudoku. you guys have this tech lying around, but the numbers thing was too hard. Man, all right, okay. Especially because is it Oxwell? Wasn't he like a remnant scholar? 
Like, yeah, these people was. were fucking studying the weird ancient robot bullshit, and they're like, we can't crack it. What? He, he's just he's just going like, hmm, it seems if I put this number here in the same row as the same number, it won't go through. But maybe it won't, <laughs> maybe it'll work if I try it again now. Yeah, I feel um, like it just comes down to, like, Ryder being dumb enough to just stand there and get, like, fucked up by robots long enough to solve this doku. Yeah. It's... It's kind of amazing, and like we're we're gonna we're gonna stall for time here because Ken is is handling some dog business, but uh, it just kind of goes a long way into this weird divide that starts to exist between the Angaran and like the Initiative because the Initiative arrives and it's totally like just haphazard you know like oh are we going to survive like what's going to happen but then within like five minutes you're like oh well i've got an ai in my head and i can talk to computers and shit so (laughs) i i'm going to share my benevolent my benevolent knowledge with all of you and and you're going to be better off because of it like you you put that seed in my head caitlin and now i just can't get it out and i'm like rethinking all these conversations that have happened up to this point in andromeda they're just like <laughs> you're welcome well, <laughs> this game sucks i fucking hate andromeda because of this shit <laughs> <laughs> oh see Ken, and you have given so... me a platform to say that publicly so Ken, we've had so many people that are andromeda apologists and this is just such a a breath of fresh air in the no middle. i, I mean, fucking have one i hate andromeda i think it's a trash garbage game from the start from the concept oh, yeah. from oh, the boy. root oh <laughs> wow i mean like <laughs> fair like i have very few salient points to make against that because again like i said i'm like really really uncomfortable with the way that stuff happens with the roca from here on out like it definitely takes it definitely kind of steers you down one path like when i was doing this mission and you just literally just mow down wave after wave (laughs) of roca (laughs) Like, I'm playing, like, Horde mode in Halo or something. And, like, they're mm-hmm. just, like, just bullet fodder. Like, it just feels really shitty. And, like, mm-hmm. it... The... the mm-hmm. I don't want to say, like, the twist, but, like, the large event that culminates, I suppose, at the end of Giles' loyalty train with the Angara and the Rokar and all the other stuff. Like, that was not where I thought it was going when I was at this particular point of the missions. Like, when I'm just, like, indiscriminately killing stuff. It's like you start to feel like you're headed down a path that doesn't have nuance. And that's mm. one of the things I hate the most about Giles' loyalty mission. Is like the end is nowhere near as bad as the lead up to it makes you think it's going to be. Like mm. the way that they treat the issue with the Rokar is so ham-handed literally up until the mm-hmm. very last second. And even then, it's incredibly politically theatrical and unnecessary and dramatic and messy. But the way that it is now like leading into this and finishing this mission i was like man like i am the bad guy like i am i am like the i am the space fascist here like i'm just doing awful things to people and all i've been told about them is like word of mouth stuff basically like and actual bragging but apart from actual mm-hmm. being like a braggart which you know these claims you can't really kind of i guess corroborate at that stage in your knowledge of axel right it's just like oh, yeah, well, you know, the other Agara are like, yeah, these guys are xenophobic murderers, and so I'm going to get the jump on them by murdering them. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. Well, I, and there's there's more here to, like, dig into, because 
So we we go back. We after we are done killing all the Rokar uh, and <laughs> yeah. an Axel what for. Uh, we go back to Bradley and we have this kind of moment where like we can talk to the colonists because you're like, oh, you know, they had a hard day. Maybe some words will help. And that that conversation feels a little strange too because nothing really happened to them as far as I can yeah. tell. They they just like maybe heard some murder going on over the radio and I mean, like, turned the volume death. knob down. Fear of imminent death. They live in Andromeda, man. Have you seen the shit that walks around like five feet from the? Yeah, camp? I feel like if you're you there, you just have like accepted death. death. <laughs> on Elodin, yeah. on Elodin, there's just like a giant worm hanging out, and everyone's like, "Well, I hope the worm doesn't eat us today." <laughs> like that's cool. That's that's the way of life. If it does, you know, it's, it's just going. Yeah. Out. And then the Krogans are even like, "I'm gonna kill that worm." <laughs> um, Big uh, mood. <laughs> uh, but that yeah it's just kind of strange but we we then go and we talk to to Jaw a little bit we get a little bit of kind of back flavor on who Axul is mainly because it's like Axul calls us and like just talks mad shit to Jaw and then logs off he really off. does <laughs> he doesn't even yeah. let Jaw reply he's just like yo fuck you fuck your family name i'm out and like logs off and yeah. uh and then we learn the the angaran word for someone who likes the smell of their own shit which is just you know that was that was a funny little moment i laughed at that I, that was good <laughs> uh but then we find out <laughs> what what did, did i okay oh you did no you did the flirt option that's why yeah Wow. So I, Chaotic yeah. over here. <laughs> wow. Oh, o'clock. I'm, I'm not allowed yeah. to judge because I spent that whole last PB episode doing everything I, that was against my better judgment because it was ho o'clock, but... Uh, yeah, the notes do say that it is ho o'clock. It's true, yeah. they do. Canonically, it was ho o'clock. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, if you do the not, not ho answer, you get like a thing where he's basically like oh he's a Savasha something and Ryder's like what does that mean and he's like somebody who likes the smell of their own shit and Ryder's just like that's awesome uh, <laughs> and then turns out that Oxwell uh, recruited Jal's siblings into his yep. militant separatist cause so we yep. gotta go get them out of the child soldier ring <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because if there's one yeah. thing that this game is not, it's subtle. <laughs> it's, uh, so we head back to Havarl and we take off on a shuttle to go talk to the Rokar and maybe, you know, hopefully talk things out <laughs> for once. Um, and of course, you know, we're going to a place that's of extreme cultural importance to the Rokar with, with guns. Nothing bad has ever come of that. So we roll up in there and there's kind of audio logs everywhere of Oxul like spouting this dogma at people like basically propaganda that's like the Milky Way menace and they're coming to take all our resources and all our stuff and this is like where I got kind of frustrated with the characterization of this game because like way early on and this is like really early on in our playthrough when they introduced the Rokar they're kind of like, oh, you know, you're on Havarl, and the Rokar start attacking you, and you're like, what's up with that? And they basically tell you, oh, those are like separatists. They hate 
everyone who isn't an alien you know some people think that they have a good reason and other people like disagree but they're cool with them existing and it's kind of like you know they're painted as this morally gray area mm-hmm. and even even games like greedfall managed to attempt to make that happen for like the the native factions where i thought one of the few things that greedfall got really right in this respect was like the way that there was tension in between the different tribal factions and what they wanted and whether yeah except for the fact that you could get approval from the natives oh yeah no yeah just grouping them all into one group yeah (laughs) but um i liked some of the stuff they had that was like in like disagreements between tribes and stuff like that i was like okay that's a cool way of handling this and for you know a hot minute i thought that andromeda was going to try to do the same thing and have the rokar be this other faction inside the angara and we might get a more deep view and instead we kind of just see this like oh axel's basically like a gi joe villain at this point who's just like you know he's skeletor screaming at the <laughs> at the workers like we gotta kill that rider and kill all the aliens because they're all bad and the worst part is like all i really wanted there to be like one person with an audio log in this section who was just like oh my god this guy won't shut the fuck up like hold like you get one <laughs> at the very beginning where someone's like yeah they seem he seems a little bit extreme i don't know why they listen to him and then everyone else is like you know axel's making some good points <laughs> I'm like, look, yeah. someone yells at you loud enough for long enough, you, you start to listen to whatever. But it's, I, I don't know. I just, I wanted a little bit more out of this because we've talked about it up to this point that Andromeda wants you to kind of be playing all these missions while you're moving through the main story campaign. And the mm-hmm. idea of Axel being like a secondary antagonist is kind of interesting. It could create this interesting conflict where you're trying to strike a piece while also not respond to violence with violence and instead you just get this like he's basically just another cat villain at this point you know yeah. they, that's basically how they frame the rokar yeah do they specify the ages of Jal's siblings i don't remember they they mentioned later on like Jal makes a comment that's like you're recruiting kids to fight your battles for you or something like that so i assumed from that that at least some of the angara including his siblings were of a young age but yeah, granted cause... they only have like three models for angara outside of john yeah, this game it's hard so... to tell. <laughs> yeah because yeah. i feel like that would have really helped is just like if there could have been something that showed one like how old they actually are so that you like aside from like jaw thing one flavor thing because mm-hmm. if it if they are kids i feel like there's something interesting to be said about like how young people are radicalized and things like mm-hmm. that and at the same time like if we got more time with Jal's siblings to see, like, why are they here? Like, why do they, like, why does this ideology work for them when their brother is, like, super on the opposite side of it? Like, and there's just not any of that substance there at all. Yeah, I mean, we can we can push ahead straight to that because we eventually get to the point, like, we go through this whole section where we're supposed to go across a bridge and they blow it up because that's just, like, the comic villain thing to do. And Hell we yeah. we fight through all these increasing waves of angaran that i keep sending flying off cliffs into horrible deaths and it's smacking with my mm. biotic lance which really seems like it hurts you know <laughs> i've yeah. done it about like 200 times at this point and by the 200th time you're really like man that's gotta hurt um <laughs> glad i'm the one doing it uh and 
we we finally meet up with a group of them, three of them that Jal has to listen to for a moment to realize that they are his siblings, <laughs> which I thought was funny because they say like a couple things and then Jal's like, "There's yeah, three like, of them. Let's what? push ahead." And he's like, "Oh, wait a minute." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, the bloodlust was uh, still still going. Uh, and then we get this first of all really awkward scene because there's I, maybe this was just me and my PS4, but there's something like wacky inflatable arm flailing tube band about the way that <laughs> Angaran like animate with each other like the way that they hug in this scene and like kind of punch each other and stuff looks like those things they put outside the car dealerships that like flap <laughs> everywhere <laughs> like their arms just kind of go out in the air and then fling about and then come back and you're like okay that's that's how things move um and then they just kind of play off this thing as like, oh, siblings disagreeing and shooting guns at each other because one of the three of them wanted to join a militant separatist group. You know, it's wacky times with the Jaw family all over again. <laughs> and it is, yeah, it's weird. It's it's just bizarre, and like it culminates in one of them shooting the other. That which, was fucked up. Which has no preamble to it it feels like that's that's the thing like (laughs) it's so weird to me that you have this like family dynamic of like three out of the four of them that we see are like this military separatist group really seems like it's what's up but then like their parents are like um no what the fuck are you doing and jaw is like um no what the fuck are you doing and then like the one brother is just like I think it's about time to turn coat here. Seems like now, now is the time to have a real major fucking paradigm shift. And it's like, why? Why is any of this happening? It just kind of feels like sitcom beats to me. Like, the literal, <laughs> the literal, the literal minute we show up, like, as we're, like, getting into, like, blowing up the bridge, like, this is just, like, mad sitcom beats. It's like... Like, you know, like, there's, like, it's, like, I'm waiting for the laugh track after each explosion. Like, it's just, like, oh, boom, this thing happened. Oh, shit, we out here. Oh, no. And Giles, like, oh, my God. Like, fucking, what's that, um, Scooby-Doo voice? Uh-oh, it's my family. Like, you know, it's, like, every, row it's my family. Like, every single time, every single time something happens in this segment from the explosion onwards, it just feels like a complete sitcom beat and like i'm waiting for the macabre laugh to kick in because literally the minute the minute the brother's like oh no guess guess i'm gonna come clean and then he gets shot and then she's like oh my god what did i do i'm like this is just it just literally just feels like a ball rolling downhill picking up steam like into like a steaming pile of shit like this whole segment like they could have done something more i think with the siblings if you're gonna have if you're going to have these young, vulnerable people have differing emotions on the separatist group, which they have joined for reasons unknown, like, now is probably the time, after this dramatic explosive conflict, to have, like, a little sit-down about everyone's motivations and maybe flesh them out mm-hmm. a little bit more. But instead we get, like, a literal sitcom beat of that... It's that skit with Annie Sandberg in it where everyone's just shooting <laughs> each other. <laughs> like, that's what that Jesus feels Christ. like. And then the minute... <laughs> The minute she's like, oh Imogen god, I in. shot him. <laughs> Literally. Like, the whole focus is back at Axel. You're like, oh cool, this family dynamic, hella weird. But I've still got to go stop, you know, Agar and Trump from doing part. shit. So bye. 
you know? That's the weirdest part, is, like, he gets shot, and he's, like, sitting there, he's like, uh, go take out the bombs, uh. Exactly. And, like, he stops talking, and Jaw's like, wow, we should really go take care of those bombs, alright. And I'm just like, dude, your brother's shot. You don't yeah. want to, like, give him a bandage or something? The yeah, dude's brother, bleeding out. Yeah, he was shot by one of your siblings, and you're just gonna be like, cool, me and Ryder, we're just gonna do that shit. Y'all just chill out here for a little bit, okay? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Charles is like, oh boy, that that looks bad. You know, it's, I, I'm not a doctor or anything, but that's not yeah. where that bullet should be. <laughs> yeah. And, like, the thing I was thinking about as I was playing this... As, was that we just have no exposition on these siblings. Like, the idea that this conflict was not even set up prior to all of this happening. So in the span of about a minute or two, you go from, oh, hey, it's Jal's family, to, oh, one of them shot the other one. (laughs) And, like, I was thinking that maybe, you know, what if on Eos you had one of the siblings there and you end up, like, capturing them and they're like, oh, you know, I'm regretting this and my other siblings regretting this but there's you know our sister is like super brainwashed and she believes in the cause and she's not gonna let him get out of it and like you could you could have like gradually set this up over the course of all these missions the game is making you do anyways and instead they just use that time to be like what if we pranked the row car <laughs> um <laughs> yeah and, well- and- i was just gonna say go i feel like i feel like I think that Jacob Mass Effect 2 is not a good character generally. I think he's very boring, but I think his loyalty mission was good because it was so focused on the family dynamic. And I feel like they like had so much exposition about the dad in a way that didn't feel lore dumpy, but it was just like, Jacob's thinking about his dad while you're going to rescue his dad from the scary plant planet. <laughs> God damn it, dog. Um, <laughs> and, um, like... I feel like they could have even done that where Jal could have been just, like, with you talking about his siblings. Like, literally, you could be like, hey, Jal, what's the lowdown on your siblings that we're trying to save? Like, show, writers show any amount of interest in other people for the love of God. Like, and it just doesn't happen, ever. So, Ken, I want to hear from you because we've been kind of clowning on Jal here a bit on this loyalty mission. I want to hear, like, what your thoughts are up to this point where we've now had a sibling shot and we're progressing towards Axul and these bombs that he has set up inside this. Yeah, by the way, bombs set up inside a cultural center to frame the Andromeda Initiative and start war between the Angara and the Initiative is the the, the crux of this mission, as we have just learned before the siblings shot each other. <laughs> uh, so, Ken, what were your thoughts, like, kind of, like, leading up to this point? Well, I think, and I'm going to kind of give, like, I'm not, I'm not going to skip to the end, per se, but I'm going to kind of, like, give my wrapping thoughts on the loyalty mission as a whole before you guys go on, like, another one of your very much earned, I mean, like, throw that out, very much earned roast of this mission <laughs> but, because, like, I, again, I, I think this part of, the like, this mission in particular is, like, a very abridged showcase of, like, the messiest parts about Andromeda's story and, like, the way that it portrays characters and tries to hide behind, you know, sort of G.I. Joe-style villains to get around, like, to let the player still be the hero in the end. But, to me, the places in which Jaws sticks out are not necessarily in the confines of this mission, where he is the mouthpiece, where he is just kind of, like, trying to plead with everyone to get along. Because, like, I like I mean, everyone here kind of doesn't like Jaws. I like Jaws a lot, like, and again, like, outside of the confines of this mission. 
And I've, as like I've understood, that's kind of like the sentiment of a lot of people that play this game. That like Jaw has like, uh, I'm trying to think of like a good example because like I mean, I could say he's kind of like a Garrus of Andromeda, but you know Vetra falls under that. But he's just like, he is like one of the characters that I feel most interested to see where he goes in the theoretical sequel. But I don't feel like this mission in all of its slapstick, weird, very centrist way of going about this mission really gives him his due. I don't feel like it does. Mm. It's, I I mean, that is like, that's the reason why we get so animated about it, I think, is because we want to know more about the Angara. We want to see this culture, and it really feels like if if they're going to prop Jaw up as this character who is going to be that window into Angaran culture and sort of the way that we engage with the Angara, then you've got to give us some level of nuance to it. You've got to give us some level of understanding that doesn't just want to make us as, as writer, as the hero feel like we're always making the right decision. Like we're always, you know, we can't do anything wrong. It may harm the Angara, but it's okay. It's for the greater good. And that's kind of how I ended up coming out the other side of this mission was I was going like, okay, you know, the game wants me to think that I'm always making the choice that will elicit the greater good here. But what is that greater good? And who is that greater good serving? Because Mm. I just don't feel like I got much out of this. And at many points in this game, but maybe especially here, I felt like I was actively bad for the Angaran population of the Helios cluster. Um, and the game didn't really want to ever, like, address that for me. And so we can kind of get into this last part here where uh, Axul, after we've disabled the bombs and killed even more Rokar, uh, Axul confronts us face-to-face finally. And, and he comes out from the shadows and uh, starts debating Chal in the marketplace of ideas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Hell yeah. Um which there is one part here where I don't know if I want to attribute this to a writer somewhere being like, I'm going to put one very smart thing in here, but um, Axel kind of makes a motion as a crowd is gathering and uh, they're starting to debate each other. He makes a motion and Ryder instinctively trains their gun on uh, Axel and Jaw is like, no, don't like, calm down he's like just baiting you he wants you to shoot him <laughs> and, and axel's like yes shoot me make me a martyr and like up to that point i was like up to that line i was like hey this is actually really good because it's showing that like you know for as much as Ryder wants to be this great hero Ryder is still very afraid afraid of axel to the point that they will instinctively pull their weapon and try to kill axel if they perceive any level of threat real or not mm. And I was like, oh, cool, that's good. And then Axel, like, puts the barrel to his head and he's like, shoot me. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and it, it does eventually culminate. Ryder never puts the gun away, by the way. <laughs> he just keeps that thing out the whole time. Gotta um, keep that thing on you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> keep that strap. Uh, Jesus. And... No. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but Axel does then eventually pull his own gun on Jaw, and this is 
a really really weird way to end this mission because you don't really have a choice so much as you have the decision to either shoot Axel or not shoot Axel and let him shoot Jaw. And there are like multiple ways that you can kind of read into this, I think. I don't know if any of them are charitable, but it's for me it was like, okay, I have the decision right now on whether I'm going to get actively involved, like very actively involved as if everything I've done up to this point was not very actively involved uh, <laughs> with Angarn politics and martyr this dude like he wants right in front of all of his followers and radicalize them even more, or I'm going to watch a friend die. And mm. I feel like that in a vacuum is a good, compelling conflict to have. Like that's a, that's a that's a tough choice and i felt like i feel like if they have framed it better in that way they had portrayed axel as like this villain with a cause who has his back against the wall and he's making one last gambit and you basically have to make this tough choice at the end it would have been very good but Mm. my problem here ends up being that a i know this is a bioware game so i was i did not know that this would be the outcome or not uh but i would have been very surprised if they had actually let jaw die there (laughs) but uh also like they turned axel into a comic book villain and i don't feel like he had that sort of characterization that would make that an interesting compelling choice to where i would want to not get involved and let jaw and axel kind of have it out to where like i was going like hey Jal, he's gonna shoot you this dude is bonkers like he was just <laughs> yelling about the milky way menace like five minutes ago you got your sister to shoot your brother we should probably just get get rid of this dude now why are you just yeah. like standing there like this i i i think this is an interesting idea that didn't get fully earned on the lead up to it yeah, I think it, the effectiveness of the idea really depends on how personally invested you are with Jal. Like, mm. I think if I think if you're coming at it from Caitlyn's perspective, you're probably just like, yeah, shoot the bitch. See if I give a fuck. Because I don't want to meddle in indigenous affairs anymore. So you know what? Maybe shoot the bitch. Like, that's a, a logical thing for some people to be thinking. And I think that because you have created, because because you haven't really sunk, because the game doesn't make you sink enough into getting to know Jal and his family. If you think about it, like all the big quote unquote emotional beats in this mission are family related, but also they they play out like a complete joke. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like the game was trying to build something like, Oh, look at these kids that have been like corrupted or like indoctrinated. Or look at how these young lives have been irrevocably changed forever. And now you have this guy who's responsible for all of that in front of you and you're, you should kill her maybe to protect your friend. Like that, I kind of see why where the game is driving with the way that it's inserted Giles' family so quickly just before this big confrontation. And obviously having Axel be so aggressive and be like, yeah, shoot me, you motherfucker. Like that's meant to egg you on. Like you know it's, it's, you know it's there, but it doesn't, it doesn't stop you from feeling that you are being egged on. Like I knew that he was playing me, but I did want to shoot the bitch real bad because of it mm-hmm. um and i guess for me the the issue is i can see all the cracks in the vineyard i can see where they were trying to to make you feel more emotionally invested and to build up to this outcome which is i think supposed to be very emotional 
um, because like, you know, like Eric said, like this should be the moment of like, am I going to let my friend die or am I going to do something which will alter the course of this race forever? Really? Based on this friend that I'm super close to, based on this friend whose family has been to some extent potentially destroyed or irrevocably changed because of this guy's indoctrination. Like, that's what the game wants you to think. And I feel like you just never really get there. So for me, it was more like, you know, I I just felt like if I... I felt like I knew from having played Bioware games that, like Eric said, Jawa's probably going to be okay. And the game was probably going to do something like make Jawa all pissed at me if I stood up for him by shooting this guy that was going to kill him or whatever. So I was like, I'll see how it plays out. And in the end, I was I was kind of right because Jal gets pissed at you because I've done this twice and I've shot Axel the second time. Jal gets pissed at you if you shoot Axel. And I'm just like, okay, I, I get it, I guess. But also just there was some level of dissonance whereby you can feel the emotional beats being built, but they never really add up. And that's the weakness, I think, of this combination. As dramatic as it is and as spectacular as it is, the main weakness is how you never really connect emotionally with the crux of your decision here to either let Jal be shot or to just kind of shoot Exo. Yeah, and, like, I think the other thing that's hard about it, or, like, that was frustrating to me about Jal's reaction is he's, like... If you sh- if you don't shoot him, he has the whole now everyone will see how far he's fallen. Meanwhile, I just got like a bullet graze on my face. And it's like yeah. I don't really know how that shows that he's fallen far because like I don't think that you get rid of like a brainwashing despot by proving that they can't shoot a gun. Like <laughs> you know. And to be fair, like <clears throat> I, well, okay, you can mention all. I'll- I'll- I just, like, I feel like there wasn't enough in the, like, that choice, to me, because even though I don't like Jal, I wasn't about to let some motherfucker just, like, shoot him, because he is, like, your key piece to, like, dealing with the Angaran people and, like, the Moshai and shit, so I was like, I'm not gonna let this motherfucker kill him, even though I don't care about him, like, he's clearly important to what you got going on, um, so I shot Oxul, and then... It's like, oh, he's a martyr. And it's like, I mean, that makes sense because you did just rampage through their entire fucking camp or whatever, like their outpost, murdering a bunch of them. So then, yeah, I could see if you murder their leader, like, yeah, that would probably make him a martyr. But I don't really get the opposite of like, if you don't shoot him, like, I guess Jaw becomes the martyr. But it really just seems like the whole like, when they go low, we go high bullshit. And it's like, mm, hmm, hmm. I don't know about that. It's like it's weird, and I'll, I'll let you take over here, Ken, in a sec. I just want to like bring up that this is like a weird the the way that Axel turns on Jaw is is very strange too, because it's kind of like the ultimate thing that will then, if he does shoot at Jaw, will prove that he's actually you know gone a little bananas. Is he's like, oh, Jaw's like he basically calls him a race traitor, and is like, you are yep. you're sympathetic with the enemy and stuff like that, and you know. That is some dogma that the second they hear it, they'd be like, oh, wait, this this, this guy's calling, like, the hero of our people and a very, like, awesome dude, like, a terrible thing. And he's doing it for reasons that he has no actual backing for. I mean, if you, you, you've saved the Moshai at this point and... Axel's just kind of like, no, shut up. That, that, that doesn't count. Shut up. And, like, he's... 
they they don't do a good job of giving Axel like the reason to pull the gun on Jal either. Like to to frame it as like, oh, he has a legitimate reason to want to pull the gun to the point that I'm like, why isn't anyone else stopping this? And you know, maybe that is kind of goes to show how brainwashed he has these uh young rebel soldiers of his but um it it again just also feel it, it feels very sudden it feels very rushed uh so can i i want to hear like some of your thoughts about this choice well i think that like going back to what i was saying before about like i don't feel like the mission itself does draw a lot of justice but i feel like when you and basically everything else that is before and after it is where you get the more more characterization of jaw mm-hmm. like where we first meet him and on aya and there's this, like, rookie resistance kid that is, like, having this talk with Jal and, like, clearly looks up to him. And you get the sense that this is, like... Like, I think we even back then we compared him to something along the lines of, like, a shepherd figure in Vodangara. Yeah. Like, yeah. he is this sort of, like, really prominent face of fighting against this thing that has terrorized people for however many decades it's been since the cat showed up. So I think, like, it's not... A, like, yeah, Axel does not, you know, shoot Jal in the chest, but he does finally open fire like very you know it's like in the in the face of god and everybody he shoots at this person who means a great deal to all these kids i mean you know kids is a very nebulous term of like is that a is that a 10 year old is that a 25 year old who knows <laughs> but i the, i got it from that perspective like I, we've seen jaw be important to these people and yeah, that's, and that's not even just his. That's not even just his family. That's just as a known figurehead in the resistance. We know that people care, and that if they if they see their leader, who is you know after they've already heard Jaws' points about like you know we saved the Moshi, we did all the other things that we did leading up to this point, and see him like you know pull a gun on him, and then finally shoot, like you know shoot him across the face. But I don't know. Like I I bought that that personally. It's I I understand the reasoning I guess it's just again it just feels very rushed and considering like the structure of the missions we've had up to this point you know other I feel like other loyalty missions did a better job of setting up the conflicts and the stories that you were going to get to and kind of the big grand loyalty mission with their preceding missions whereas it feels like this one they especially wasted the time and resources that they had to lead up to Jaws big conflict by spending them making you feel like a superhero saving eos and all that and i i was just kind of like okay like that i i definitely feel cool but i don't feel like i've gained anything you know narrative wise from this and, it is one of the points where i'll just say like, it's one of the points where like the long preamble of like pb's mission like maybe to, like you could have cut a slice off of that and given it to jaw instead yeah definitely and I mean, so it just kind of ends there. I mean, so, Ken, I believe we both made the choice that was to not shoot Axel and and Mm -hmm. just let things play out. And it just kind of ends. Like, all the Rokar are just kind of like, okay, well, this dude sucks now. And walks away, and (laughs) we walk away too, and Axel is just kind of left there kicking rocks. And uh, we we get an email afterwards. You know, we get the whole loyalty from Jal. We get a nice little moment where... We do the Angaran handshake and all that, or the elbow bump, uh, the thing that you do when you're sick at PAX and you want to shake somebody's hand but you don't want to die. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's it 
it's nice and it's touching and we get a little like even email from axel it's like oh i fucked up i'm i'm sorry i'm sorry for calling you the milky way menace and like <laughs> um but it really feels like the highest point of his loyalty stuff is what happens afterwards where you get to go meet his family and yeah. his his real family so like they do make the distinction in angaran like between their birth mother and kind of their other mothers and uh we go to meet jaw's actual birth mother and, and learn a lot about who he was as a kid and how he grew up and kind of all these little cute details about how he assembled things like a cat weapon and he made an andromeda map and it's all just he really... also disemboweled an animal just mm-hmm. yeah, yeah well yeah exhibited mild serial killer behavior but <laughs> i mean look yeah, what, what we just like, did to the rogar it's, it's maybe... like we gotta talk about kevin type shit you know like okay <laughs> suddenly riders having like flashbacks to that whole let's prank the row car by killing all of them and like oh yeah maybe i should have seen this one coming (laughs) (laughs) came out of nowhere did it though um and it's it's really nice it's really sweet and i just kind of end up feeling like where was this at any point preceding this because leading up to this loyalty mission there were kind of like nice little moments with jaw where you learned about who he was as a character or he had moments with like Liam where they do the armor thing that that was really mm, nice yeah. but I, I end up feeling like Jal is not a character who grows in this game I feel like Jal is just a character who exists in this game mm. and well, they, they don't have like as full of an arc and and most of it is just kind of Ryder learning who Jal is and I think that's that's fine if we think of this in terms of like this is the mass effect one of the andromeda trilogy but we do have to acknowledge that as of this recording right now there is no andromeda 2 being planned and (laughs) you you don't want to see how those colonies pan out caitlin you don't want to just see how much better everyone is for the andromeda initiatives involvement (laughs) i would rather eat glass Jeez. I will. I will point out just to kind of like address what you're saying, Eric. And again, this might be just a failing on the way that we structured the show this season. Jaws, like short of like everybody else, kind of like ends at their loyalty mission. Jaws not. There's something that's going to happen in around a Meridian further mission and stuff. Yeah, that's okay. going to involve Jaws and sort of like the things that he has to reckon with upon finding out some stuff. So kind of like put a pin in that thought. Well, so I back to it in two episodes, and I will say that like Jal as a character, his development has been more involved with the story than any other character because most characters their stuff kind of happens outside the storylines and their own missions, whereas Jal obviously had a large stake in what was happening at the Ket base and was very involved in Aya, uh, Aya obviously, but Vold and Havarl as well, like those storylines. So we've seen a lot of Jaws development happen in the main storyline. So that doesn't surprise me. And, and like, I'm good with putting a pin in that there, but I do like, I, you say this in your notes too, Ken, and I agree with it, that like Jaws feels like a missed opportunity. And I, I know you're saying that in context of like not having a sequel because he could have had so much more in future games. Uh, and that maybe this, this game will eventually lead up to uh, kind of setting that up. But I just ended up feeling like Jal was this really interesting character that gets done a disservice by his role in the story to serve as that Angaran mouthpiece and to be the character through which you experience all these conflicts. And also the conflicts themselves have their own problems that we've talked about. And it just, 
I don't know. It just ends up feeling like, like, like the, I, I thought that Korra was going to be the most frustrating character in this game. And she is like from the outs, <laughs> like just as a character, the most frustrating character to deal with. Cause she is a weeaboo, but uh, it's, <laughs> I, I use, I have to drop that once. I have to drop that once an episode. Garth came oh, up with it and now we have I to say love it every episode. It. Uh, but like she is a character is frustrating, but in contrast, what Bioware does with Jaw as a character is maybe more frustrating than Korra herself to me. Uh, because I'm just like, there's so much potential and it's wasted. They do nothing with it. Well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like it's one thing to be like, huh, a white woman with a can I speak to the manager haircut? Probably not going to be great. But like the one fucking alien I feel like should be interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one like character from a new species who we do not have some established understanding of yet. And and so much of Andromeda is about subverting the expectations that we have of different characters like PB and Vetra and stuff like that. But I, yeah, it's, I don't know. Ginny, how do you feel about Jaw? Do we have positive Jaw thoughts that we can channel into this podcast? Um. Yeah, I mean, Jaw seems like, you know, he would definitely call you back after you fucked. Um. <laughs> oh, we should we should probably talk about that too. Um, yeah, how yeah. I was gonna back. say, like, I actually, um, yeah, like, relate related to the positive thoughts I have about Jar. Um, no, so I, I I do think that like like Ken is saying, the good stuff kind of comes at the end of your relationship with Jar. Well, not sorry, at the end of the trajectory of your relationship with Jal, which leads to you boning. Like, after all the meet the family stuff, and all the, this is who I am, this is who we are, and you can talk about your family issues, and thanks for coming, and blah blah blah. Like, once that that stuff which really humanizes Jal, I guess, human, I really hate using the word humanizes on, on like an alien fucking podcast, but um, <laughs> um the the stuff that humanizes Jal really kind of comes at the end of all of this stuff and at the end of the romance. And I feel like it's one of the nicer isolated moments. Like, I really, really, really enjoy the moment with his family, weird serial killing animal dismantling aside. And also how, like, his birth mom is, like, really, really cute and nice. And she sends you, like, data comms afterwards. And she's like, I made you pie. And you're like, oh, they really <laughs> love me. Like, there's just, it's like, the it's like the people that, it's like when they were writing this stuff after, they were just like, yeah, we'll just completely just forget about that thing where his siblings shot each other. We'll just leave that shit out of the picture. Show you, like, a very nice, functioning, normal Angaran family that Jao's a part of. Like, some, like, like a quiet for like a ship in the otherwise stormy world of colonizing this galaxy like i don't know i it was a nice isolated moment and i think leading into that he is a pretty fun boning scene lead up scene like i feel like flirting with jaws was always quite fun but i mm-hmm. mean ken obviously is like jaw like you know disclaimer I don't really go here, but like, you know, I feel like Ken, Ken goes here usually, um, and probably feels the same way about scenes. So the thing about Jal that is mystifying to me is, so, okay, we're going to have to go back to 2017 when Mass Effect Andromeda launched. Oh yeah, he was, he was only for straights. He was only for straights, which is, what the fuck? Because like, yeah. So, th- this was he's an Claude. issue in several ways. He's Claude. 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so they they only had Gil and Reyes as uh, gay romances in this game, which meant that you couldn't play a gay writer and get like the trophy that they have in this game for romances, which is to do three different ones across different playthroughs. Mm. So they ended up patching in Jal, and I really don't care for the way the romance kind of goes in the end. Oh. Like, through, for, for, like, a male writer, because if the, the scenes and sort of, like, the dialogue feel very tuned in to a female writer. Oh, and yeah. Mm. yeah. So, for, like, for all the, like, the matching dialogues and roles that, like, the Pathfinder writer has, I still feel like male and female writer feel like two distinct characters in a lot of cases, and a lot of that comes in, like, the things that are, you know the more specific to one another, like, the romance scenes and stuff. So, like, when you kind of just, like, insert male writer into a scene that has been written and animated for female writer, the whole thing just feels kind of off. And, like, right, like, the version of writer that I saw when I did this scene, because, like, I've gone through and, like, you know, reloaded saves and stuff to try them all, it did not feel like the writer that I've been playing to this point. It felt very much like a more... I don't know, like just like a version of him that did not match, even like the flirting to that point. It was just it was a very strange thing, and it sucks because like Jaws got like one of the best romance scenes for sure because like he he's eating something down there. I don't know what like I mean I don't know what how Angara work, but it's like it's one of the it's like a, one of the Korra things where like the scene like clearly they put a lot of love into making the payoff of that you know seem very special and like something that they yeah. You know, but I don't know. Like I, I'm glad it's there. But I just I don't dig it for male writer. That's a, and it's a shame because I really like Joel. Damn. I'm going to spend the rest of this podcast only using Fire Emblem Three Houses characters to refer to different romances because not only do we have a Claude in this game, but we also have a Leone. And uh... now I'm just realizing that Three Houses perfectly encapsulates all the types of people that yeah. you can date in the world it's just so perfectly. good, good there's game. somebody for everybody bless that yeah. game uh, still not done with it <laughs> can you gotta finish <laughs> it you're on the best route you're on the yeah. best route it's like i'm like only halfway through apparently because the time skip just happened oh yeah what? well that's maybe a little bit more like closer wait, to like wait, five eighths it, but it, de- it depends on who you're pl- who, which faction are you siding oh wait you're clawed right yeah, Golden Deer. Yeah, you've you've got quite a bit to go then. If you were, yeah. Oh yeah, that no. is a bit of a long path. I, I'm yeah. on Black Eagles right now. I'm kind of surprised at how it's short, short the post time skip comparison, is. Comparison, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, this is not a Fire Emblem podcast yet, <laughs> but it will eventually become a Dragon Age podcast because, ladies and gentlemen and folks of the podcast, uh, we did reach our funding goal to move on to Thetis and do Dragon Age. We are very excited about that. Thank you to all our wonderful patrons out there who support us on patreon.com slash normdfm including the special donor tier of Ruben, Anthony, and now one Ginny Woo. Jesus, I said to not give me a shout out. Yeah, you shouldn't have said that because now I'm going to. God damn it. Uh, She did not... Uh, donate at the tier that lets her ask us any question every episode so uh she's missing out on that (laughs) could have had that power over us and you you let it go if you want to have that power over us you can head over to patreon.com slash norm dfm show 
or no, it's just Normandy FM. It's twitter.com slash Normandy FM show because I guess for some yeah. reason someone had Normandy FM on Twitter. I just... Somebody was trying to make this podcast at one point and they quit. So we just... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> well, we out here. We taking over. We got it. Yeah. And we're moving into Dragon Age. So we like to end our podcast by asking our guests, Ginny, you yeah. Dragon Age fan? Clearly. I I publicly admitted to a theater full of people while I was sitting next to David Gator that Cassandra and Morrigan could both choke me to death. So yes, mm-hmm. God bless. I d- yeah. both like at the same time. Are we talking, or is this like? A, I mean, uh, how much throat do you have? Can that four can like four hands? Get yeah, see, look, I don't have how that much throat. throat you got? I, I'm a I'm a short person. <laughs> I haven't got that much throat. But I did say that I would let Cassandra go first, because she probably would have choked me to death. Morrigan, though, mm. no qualms about killing me. So Cassandra first, and then end it on Morrigan. That's so considerate of you. I know, to, like, right? think of their just, needs. Yeah. yeah, I'm out here, you know, just really doing my bit for representation. I'm glad that you industry. made sure that David Gator knew all of this. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think I, th- I think my editor apologized for my behavior right after. So, but <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. He anyway. was thirsting on that panel, too. Yeah, you don't <laughs> yeah. you don't write that kind of game and then come out of it the other side like no one will ever be horny about this. Like, no. Yeah. You Caitlin, right. obviously, uh, we talked before the podcast, but it sounds like we're gonna also have to have you back for some Dragon Age as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some awakening. Awakening is the one. Yeah, it turns to. out out of the two of us, I'm actually the more embarrassing Dragon Age stand because I've publicly said I would fuck the mother like multiple times. Oh, Jesus Christ! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. God, I, oh, Jesus! I, uh, All of you yeah. Normandy FM listeners out there have something to look forward to now. Come 2020, when we oh. uh, start our Dragon Age playthrough. And, Ken, we do have one very last special announcement. Uh, This Saturday, I will be doing a 24-hour gaming live stream to raise money for Extra Life. We are supporting, uh, over at US Gamer, we are supporting UCSF uh, Benoit Children's Hospital and Child's Play with a 24-hour stream where we will be raising money to help the kids. It'll be great. And I'm going to check my schedule, Ken, but I believe we said it'll be... 2 p.m. my time, 2 p.m. Central U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we will, right. we will be playing Mass Effect Andromeda's multiplayer live on the stream. So keep an eye on our social feeds and all of that. We will be retweeting all the links so you can head over there, watch us play multiplayer, watch us discuss more Bioware stuff as we are often want to do when we are in a room together and uh, ask us any other questions i mean that's a good time to just throw random questions about which dragon age characters we would let choke us on, on the stream because <laughs> that's apparently the the path we're headed down and we just got to embrace it at some point Caitlin, Ginny, thank you so much for coming on the show. We we're so happy to have you, Ginny, for the second time. I, you're only on the two time. It's I think Natalie's only three timer at this point, right? Yeah, I think so. You gotta you gotta get those numbers up if you want to beat her. Come on. Well, <laughs> Caitlin, we are so happy to have you for the first time. Hopefully, not the last time. Uh, we're gonna have to get you on for Awakening for sure at some point. And of course, we have many many episodes to go with Dragon Age. So hopefully, we'll have you on again later on once we were on other games but it was a wonder having you on the show today yeah thank you for having me it was very fun 
for all of you out there, for Ken, for myself, for all you wonderful Bioware fans who just want a lovely companion to choke you. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week on Normandy. Don't be a fool.